Well, it's a real honor for me to be with you today, but I, um, I know y'all think that I'm a loose cannon, but I really uh, uh, have a, a real something that's on my heart right now, and that is uh, Omar, the pastor of uh, the church there, has a cancer over his eye, and they're going to operate on it uh, uh, sometime within the next two weeks, uh, if they can, but... Not only Omar and the church there in Columbia is hurting, but our church is hurting. We have people at the point of death. Some have just died. Some families are breaking apart. Uh, Kylie's going into the army. Are you here, Kylie? Is she here? Uh, There you go. Okay. And I would love for you, Kylie especially, I'd like for you to come down here Anybody else that would love to be prayed for? Somebody that's going through trials right now. I don't know what they are. I don't know any of that. But I would love for y'all to come down right right here. I would love for you to come down. If you'd love, uh, we would love to pray for you. We would love for you to come down in that. Now, I'm asking for people that have been through trials and have come out successful on the other side. Can I see a raise of hands of those people? It's come out good on the other side of that. I'd love for you to come down. I'd love for you to lay your hands on them. I'd love for you to pray for these people. And you guys that are being prayed for, look at the people that love you. These people love you. We're a community. The church is a community of people. Let me just pray for you. Lord, thank you again for that. I pray for Kylie especially. She's uh, uh, going uh, into the army and uh, she'll be leaving today or tomorrow. And and I'm thankful uh, that you're going to be going with her. She's not going alone. And then my brothers and sisters here that's gathered around, you know their needs and you know they are hurting at this time. And Lord, I pray that you would comfort them, comfort them with the love that only you can comfort them with. And uh, we love them so much, and I am so encouraged to see the amount of people that love them and will pray for them and will trust you uh, for the results. Thank you for the time we can have together, and thank you for uh, the fellowship we have here at Grace Community Church. Uh, There is love here, and we can feel it. And there's compassion, and and we know there's hurt also along with all that. And we each have to... Uh, carry our own cross day after day and help us to do that with a dignity that's above and beyond the call of duty. In in the name of Jesus, amen. Well, it's an honor uh, to do... There are so many good preachers in this church. Uh, I I usually preach... I'm a little nervous because I'm uh, preaching in English. I don't don't get the opportunity to to, uh, preach in English much. And uh, I'm, I'm wondering how I'm going to do uh, finding the right English word for the, the thing that I'm saying. Uh, but I was uh, uh, thinking about a, a, a subject that uh, is close to my heart and, and one that I see that's lacking in the, uh, in the church today. In our church, in just about every church that I visit, I see a lack of this. And that is people that are walking in the Spirit. 
Now, I'm not talking about people that speak in tongues or people that do other things, uh, the spiritual gifts or anything. I'm talking about people that know how to walk in the Spirit. And, and it's a different uh, uh, animal than what we think it is. Uh, and so many people that are Christian are walking defeated before the Lord because they don't know how to claim the power of the Holy Spirit. And so uh, as I was reading uh, my uh, daily devotional uh, several months ago, I came upon the parables. And uh, I'd, I'd like to uh, uh, show you how that has to do with walking in the Spirit. It's about listening, and it says, He that hath an ear, let him hear. And, of course, we know that means a spiritual ear. There, uh, everybody has ears, and everybody hears. Uh, in fact, uh, on a, a Father's Day card that a man received, uh, his son wrote out meticulously, uh, Dad, thanks for your lectures. Uh, I never, uh, because I never change horses in the middle of a job worth doing. I know the squeaky wheel gets the worm, and I never count my chickens until I've walked a mile in their shoes. <laughs> and at the end it says, and you thought I, weren't, I wasn't listening. <laughs> uh, another uh, guy says, a good listener is a, is a good talker with a sore throat. <laughs> so there's uh, plenty of uh, people that listen, are they hear, but are they hearing spiritually uh, from uh, uh, that? I'm hoping, hey, yeah, okay, it's working. I know how to do this. Okay, uh, so I'd like to just tell you in, in Matthew 13, let's uh, turn to Matthew 13, and uh, we'll start in, in uh, verse 10 when we do, but I just want to explain this. Uh, Jesus began to teach in parables. And it freaked out the disciples. They didn't know what to think about it. When he began to tell these stories, and, uh, and a lot of people were confused about the stories. But uh, the definition of a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning that no one can know just by human wisdom. And so it's an earthly story. He uses illustrations from the earth the sower went to sow, the wheat and the tares, all kinds of uh, parables that he used uh, in that, but they're all stories that everybody knows. Everybody that he spoke to knew what a sower was. Everybody knew what wheat was. Everybody knew what tares were. They knew all of the things because it was an earthly thing. Everyone knew it. But... The teaching has a heavenly meaning. And unless a person is a believer, unless he's asked Christ into his life, well, he will not get the interpretation of the teaching. The teaching will go off and everybody will go, uh, what, does, what is he saying there? So he goes into the first one there in, in, uh, ch in chapter 13 and he talks about the, wheat, the uh, sower uh, and he goes and sows seed, and some of the seed falls down. And then he goes on to help the disciples, because the disciples are all confused. They go, 
what are you trying to teach here? What, what is the deal with this? And see, he goes on and explains what uh, the parable of the sower means. And then he goes on and teaches about the wheats and tares in, 20, uh, in, in uh, uh, Matthew uh, 24. But I want to speak, uh, jump back to, uh, uh, to 10. Oh, boy. That's going to be hard to read, isn't it? <laughs> okay. Well, see, I, I'm not that good in technology. So I'll just read it here uh, in the Bible. And you follow along with me in, in your Bible from uh, 9, uh, uh, 13, 9 through 17. And it says right here, He who hath ears, let him hear. And the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And Jesus answered to them, to you, he's talking to the disciples, to you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been granted. For whoever has, to him more shall be given. Listen to that. Whoever has or whoever understands, he will be able to understand more. For whoever... Uh, for whoever has to him, more shall be given, and he will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has, what he has shall be taken away from him. Therefore, I speak to them in parables, because while seeing, they do not see. And while hearing, they do not hear, nor do they understand. In their, case, uh, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is being fulfilled, which saith, You will keep on hearing, but will not understand. You will keep on seeing, but will not perceive, for the heart of this people has become dull. With their ears they scarcely hear, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they would see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their heart and return, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. For truly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and, do not, and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. The whole thing here is Jesus speaks in parables. When we become Christians, we receive the Holy Spirit into our lives. He is the great teacher, the Holy Spirit. And we depend on Him to illuminate our lives and to teach us things. And if we have the Holy Spirit, He has promised that He would do that. But if we do not have the Holy Spirit, if we've never asked Jesus uh, uh, for salvation, then we do not have the Holy Spirit and we do not have the teacher. And so we cannot understand. And even Christians who are not serving the Lord, who are not living the Christian life, uh, they are dull to hear and it's hard for them to perceive. And that's the reason why so many Christians today in today's church are dull, dull to hear 
and cannot perceive the spiritual things of God. And there's uh, some reasons for that. How you like my... Do you think he can hear? <laughs> okay, who can hear? Who is able to hear in this audience here? Who can hear? One is those who are saved. Second, those who are walking in the Spirit. Third, those who are constantly reading, studying, and meditating on the Word of God. And four, those who are living a clean life before the Lord in the hidden places when nobody else sees you. Those are the four types of people uh, who can do that. These are, are these really, can y'all see those from back here? Boy, that really looks little. Okay, so I want, maybe I should preach this way. <laughs> uh, what does, uh, our, uh, how does God save someone? Uh, in the Christian doctrine of salvation, God has rescued us through Christ Specifically, it was Jesus' death on the cross and subsequent resurrection that achieved our salvation. Scripture is clear that salvation is by grace. The word, the definition for grace is unmerited favor. It used to be before the Bible, before the New Testament, before Paul used the word saved, I mean grace so many times, it used to be a favor done for a friend. But the whole Bible changed the definition of the word grace, and now it's a favor done for an enemy. And who was the enemy? It was us. It was us. We were the ones uh, that were against God. We were going our own way, and yet God did a favor for us by Ascending Christ and Christ paying the ransom on the cross of Calvary for our sins and paying our account. He did a favor for an enemy and we were the enemy. And is only available through faith. And that definition is complete trust or confidence in someone or something. And that would be in Jesus Christ. We have complete confidence. So if we have grace and faith mixed together, remember Ephesians 2, 8, and 9? For by grace are you saved through faith. And that, not of yourself, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So how do we receive salvation? Uh, we are saved by faith. Uh, first, though... We must hear the gospel. That's the very reason why we went as missionaries. It's because there are so many people, not only in 12 million in Bogota, Colombia, in just one city, but all over the world, people have never heard the gospel one time. I think it was Oswald Chambers or Oswald Smith, one that said that no man has the right to hear the gospel twice when so many have never heard it one time. And so that's the reason why they have to hear the gospel. Because you can't respond to something that you don't know about. So Christ's death and resurrection uh, is what uh, is uh, 
uh, hear the good news of Christ's death and resurrection. And uh, then we must uh, believe that is place our trust in the Lord Jesus and uh, call upon the name of the Lord and they will be saved. So there is a process in that. There's many other processes in the uh, work of salvation and in the work of sanctification that we don't have 25 hours to go into there. But uh, that is a definition of the Christian doctrine of salvation would be the deliverance by the grace of God from eternal punishment for sin, which is granted to those who accept by faith God's condition of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Salvation is available in Jesus alone. And if you remember John fourteen six, it says, uh, uh, "Help me, help me!" I just went crazy. I just went off. Uh, what? I, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Man, I, I didn't know when you got seventy that uh, old old timers would hit you like it does. <laughs> wow. Uh, so, and is dependent, listen, salvation is dependent on God alone, his provision, assurance, and security. Okay, and then here's what I want to talk to you about this morning, is how do you walk in the Spirit? There's a, there's a verse in 1 John, uh, I mean 1 Corinthians 2.14 to 3.3, 3, and it talks about three different types of people in the world. And there's only three types. The first one is the natural man. If you'll look at this, this diagram, you'll see it. There is a throne. The circle represents the life of that person. There is a throne, and that's the most important thing in there. And in this person, the natural man, the Bible says that his ego or his self is on the throne of that life. If you'll notice the cross outside of the realm of that person's life, that represents Christ. So Christ is outside the life. Ego is on the throne, and it is controlling every decision that's being made. Maybe that's the reason why people are so messed up today, is because they're just making these decisions without the help of the Bible, without the help of Christ in their life. Then you have the second one here in this talks about the carnal man. As you can see, it looks almost like the natural man. The same thing, the realm of life, the throne. And who's on the throne? It's ego. It's self. Self is making all the decisions in that person's life. The only difference is Christ is inside the life of the carnal Christian. He is inside the life, but Christ is not controlling the life. The person is still making his own decisions, uh, jumping off the cliff, doing all the stuff wrong that they, they shouldn't be doing. Why? Because they're trying to control their own life. And Christ, although he's in the life, and that person has the power of the Holy Spirit to do that, their ears are dull to hearing and their eyes cannot perceive because they're still making their own decisions. And I personally believe the church today is filled with that second thing. 
that we're still trying to be in control. We think we're God. We think we can control everything and everybody around us, and yet we can't. And you can see it by, if you are one of these carnal Christians, you can see it daily in your own life. That you can't control it. You can't do it. Then the third one is the spiritual man. And as you see, uh, he has Christ in his life. Self is not on the throne, but Christ is on the throne. And all decisions that are made goes through Christ. And because of that, the order in his life is ordered. And so things go well with this person. And why do they do it? Because they pass things through Christ. They pass things through God himself. Because God is on the throne. He is the one that's controlling the thought processes and the things that happen in a Christian's life. And that, that spiritual person is a Christ-directed person. Every time he makes a decision, he makes a decision by going first to God, asking him what he would do. There used to be a bracelet that used to be, I know that was uh, uh, Stuart Payne used to have one. He was a golfer, but he used to have a thing on uh, his wrist, and the thing would, uh, that said, what would Jesus do, was on, on the bracelet. And every time he would putt, he was a really good putter, and when he would putt, the, the TV would have to focus onto his hands, and they would see that. What would Jesus do? It was a great testimony uh, uh, that he had there. But that should be the question that we ask a hundred times a day. A hundred times a day. As each decision comes or each situation comes into our life, we should immediately defect, uh, def, uh, deflect that over to Jesus and say, Jesus, what would you do in this situation? And when the Lord shows you what he would do, then you just do it. And you will find that everything start, goes, starts being in order in your life and things start working out and even the things that don't work out like you want to work out for the good because why usually the things that we uh want to happen are usually not the things that's really good for you like i would like to eat a gallon of ice cream i love ice cream danielle knows but you know what would happen I would have a stomach ache and I would be laying in bed all afternoon. Uh, God knows what's best in our life. And even though we cannot see that, and, and sometimes we are in that valley of the shadow. And I want you to know that, Rachel. I want you, to, uh, Tony, Kylie, I want you to know that even when you're in that shadow, of the valley of the shadow of death, God knows what's best for you, and He will give you the strength to go through that valley. And there will be an end to that valley, and you will come out a prized possession of God as you go and you work your way through that. So, here's the problem we have 
a lot of people that are carnal Christians and they would like to be spiritual uh, Christians, but how do you get from being a carnal Christian to a spiritual Christian? And the answer is could be complicated, but basically it's one verse in the Bible and every Christian should memorize this verse. And that's 1 John 1, 9. 1 John 1, 9. You need to put that somewhere and you need to memorize it this week. This will change your entire life. And that verse says, uh, uh, if we can... Man, my brain is going out today. It, it says, if we confess our sins... It's talking to Christians. It's not talking to non-Christians. It's talking to Christians. It says... If we confess our sins, if we have sinned or we wanted to do what we wanted to do instead of what God wanted to do, and we do that and we make a mess out of it, it says right there, if we confess that sin, if we'll confess our sin, God is two things. He's faithful and He's just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So... All we have to do, go to God, confess that we've sinned, that we've failed because we've been trying to do it our way, and we begin to do it God's way. And if we confess that, it says that God is faithful and just to do two things, to forgive us and to cleanse us so we can get up again. We've fallen down, we can get back up and start walking toward heaven. Again, John Wesley said it like this, he says, the Christian life is falling down, getting up, falling down, getting up, all the way to the pearly gates. And that's what happens with most of us in our Christian life, is we fall down, we confess our sin, we get up, we start walking again, we fail again, we get back up. You know what happens though? It's really interesting being a 70-year-old man because when I first started, at my Christian life, I was falling just about every step. I was falling down, getting up, falling down, getting up, falling down, getting up. And then I noticed, as I began to mature as a Christian, I noticed that I was falling less and having to get back up and confessing that sin. And I was doing it. It's, got, it's a thing called progressive sanctification in your life. You're never going to be perfect, but... You will, you will sin less and less as you begin to trust God with the decisions in your life. And so that's how you get from carnal man to spiritual man. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we can, uh, we can do that and, uh, get back in, uh, own the right path of living for God. And as we progressively uh, go down the road and begin to study our Bible, to meditate on God's Word, to put it into practice in our lives, then we will see ourselves maturing and we will be falling less and less. We will never reach maturity. We'll never reach the point where we won't fall down until we get to heaven. But we will do that less and less as we go along, as we mature uh, uh, as Christians. Another suggestion I would just give you that I have is I have mentors to help me. I have people that are more spiritual than I am, 
and I ask them for help. And so that's uh, one of the things that I usually end up doing is if I'm struggling with something, I call one of my mentors and I say, you know, hey, I'm struggling with this. What do you think, man? What, how, how can I do that? Pick somebody that's more spiritual than you are, somebody that's older in Christ than you are. Pick them and use them as a mentor in your life and somebody that will help you. Now, you can always use the pastors and your Sunday school teachers and all that, but we should have mentors ourselves. And another thing is you as Christians should be mentoring someone. That's another call for us to do. Not only should we have mentors, but we should also have iron-sharpening iron friends that will help you in your daily walk with the Lord, and then you should also be mentoring someone else. You know more about the Bible than, than uh, say you've been a Christian a month, you know a month more about Christianity than a guy that just got saved today. So you could help that person along the way. So, getting back to that, so who has an ear to hear? Who is not dull to hearing? Jesus said right here in uh, to explaining the parable, it's the one that has the Holy Spirit, the one that uh, is, uh, is teaching. The, the teacher, the great teacher can help us. And as we walk with Christ, we will begin to perceive more and more. So I thought I would just take one parable. It's one verse long. And I, we could just look at it. And, and uh, so I thought I'd pick the leaven because this is about a, a, a baking woman, and I call her the uh, tricky baking woman. This is, this is my title for this thing, the tricky baking woman. And it says this, another parable he spoke to them, the kingdom of heaven is like yeast uh, or leaven or yeast, which a, a woman took and hid in three measures or 60 pounds of meal till it was all leavened, till it was all exploded up like, like yeast does. And you look at that, and of, of course, if you're not a believer, you're going to go, what is that? But even we as spiritual people can look at that and go, okay, well, what is Jesus trying to do here? What is he teaching? What's this all about? A woman baking some bread, and she puts some yeast in it, and it, and it blows up, and, and so what? What has that got to do with heaven and salvation and all the problems that I have uh, as a Christian day after day? Well, uh, here's what I, I, here is my interpretation. I'm sure there's other people that don't, uh, interpret it like that but this seems pretty simple to me this is pretty easy right here it, it's in the book of Matthew so in the book of Matthew we the book of Matthew is written to Jews okay the Jews consider leaven or yeast as sin you remember when they left out of Egypt they had unleavened bread they eat unleavened bread unleavened bread is something that you make in haste to get out because they were getting out of Egypt and all that. But they consider leaven as sin. 
And in 1 Corinthians, there's a verse that says, that just says that. But so, it says, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid three measures of meal till it was all leavened. Okay, who is the woman? Who is this woman in this thing? She is the one that is putting the leaven in the bread, in in 60 pounds of bread, really, like that. And uh, she uh, is a... a let me, let me give you a, a de, uh, let me give you what some uh, theologians believe this means. They believe that the woman is a, is the Bible, and that the leaven or the the, the loaf that it, that explodes is the church. So when they think that when uh, Jesus puts the the leaven in there that is the word of god and the word of god increases and the church becomes bigger and i don't believe that <laughs> because of one word and that word is h i d hid jesus never hid the gospel it was always proclaimed especially after his death the gospel was proclaimed in open. And so I believe that the woman is Satan. And Satan hid the leaven or sin in the church. I do believe that the, the bread is the church. But Satan takes sin and he puts it in the church. And then the, then the sin grows in the church. And then we have people that don't, there's church splits, there's church, there's sin going on in the church, there's sin go, happening all around. So Satan puts that in, he hides it into the church, the church grows, and it's over. So that's, that would be the interpretation. Uh, there are other interpretations, but uh, uh, here's what I'm saying, the parables were for people that could hear. It's not for people that are dull of hearing and can't perceive and can't see. Uh, so we need to be the type of people that would study our, the Word of God, would see what it actually means, and then put it into practice in our own lives. I think we can see that this is happening in the world today, that the sin is being hidden and put into the church and a lot of churches. That's why we have the Sunday school class, the authority of the Bible, because most churches are rejecting the truth of the Bible. They don't believe that uh, the Bible is the only way you can get to heaven. They believe there's other ways that you can do it. And we know that only through the Bible can we have eternal life. Okay. So let's uh, let's pray. And Danielle, uh, do you have another song? Okay, Danielle is going to play, and then Thad is going to close us out.